Welcome to the Noble Warrior Podcast. Here is your host, Mike Frazier. Hey everybody, Mike here with another episode of Noble Warrior Podcast. We just wanted to thank you for dropping in and spending some time with us and listening to what we have going on the show for today. All right, everybody, I got something special for you. I have an amazing dude named Brad Thomas. He's a former Army Ranger, Delta operator, musician, husband, father, and just a superhuman, super cool guy. He's part of Silence and Light, which is a band that they created to help give back to warriors, veterans, military, first responders, you name it. These guys do a lot of stuff for the community. I wound up breaking this interview up in two different sections because it went on pretty long. And I think it would do justice kind of splitting it up in two. So here's the first one. I hope you guys enjoy. Mike Frazier here with Noble Warrior. I got Brad Thomas on the other side of that screen right there. Um, This dude is amazing. Former uh, Army awesome dude. Veteran now. He does uh, Silence and Light. He plays music. He does amazing things. And he's got a super awesome um, Evil Knievel suit right now that he's bebopping around in. That thing is so rad. I can I can put it on if you want. Oh man, you don't have to put it on. <laughs> people can uh, after a while we'll, we'll get people to unfollow, be able to follow you and see where you're at. That way they can see your uh, your awesome stuff that you guys do. But um, thank you for coming on the show and hanging out with us and talking to uh, all of us about you and what you do and uh, what you're doing. So um, if you want to give yourself a, a little introduction and talk about a little bit about you and what you guys do. Now, let me talk about myself. Um, yeah, we all love that. Um, like I mentioned before you hit record, you know, I pr- appreciate you having me on and I feel like, you know, you're one of the few veteran uh you know, guys that I follow on Instagram. And the thing that I love was just that you're positive. You know, you're always trying to be positive. There's a lot of happiness. You know, you've got dad jokes that you're telling. And it's like, it it always, it's infectious, you know? And, uh, you know, one of the things that I'll I'll intro and go through my bio real quick. Um, But one of the things that I never wanted to do with social media was be political. Because I just, I don't want to see it. Like, I don't want to, I don't watch the news specifically, so I don't have to deal with it. Yeah. I don't want to see it when I'm scrolling through the Instagram at the airport or on the couch or wherever. So I just, I never wanted to be political and I never wanted to be negative, you know, and, and go after a guy or go after a poser or, you know, call people out for stolen valor or any of that. Like, I just don't, it's not my thing. So I get you. Um, I, I spent uh, 20 years in the Army. I joined in uh, 1990, and I had a Ranger contract. So uh, went through basic training in AIT, was an infantry guy, went through airborne school, went through the Ranger indoctrination program, and then I was tired of living out of a duffel bag. So I just selected, even though I wanted to go to 1st Ranger Battalion, I I discovered that America's battalion is actually in Fort Benning, Georgia. So I wanted to go there. And, uh, and I figured if I picked Fort Benning, like nobody was picking Fort Benning. So I would at least get the choice of my assignment. And that was back in the day when you didn't really get to pick. So as a young kid, I showed up at uh, B Company 3rd Ranger Battalion in April of 91. And uh, ended up going to ranger school and becoming a team leader and then deployed to Mogadishu as a part of Task Force Ranger. 
and did that and uh, stayed about a year and a half afterwards. I went to the recon detachment in the 75th Rangers and did that where I got to do more specialized training and kind of be small team and first name basis. There wasn't a whole lot. It was all NCOs, no privates and things like that. And then in the fall of 1998, I went to selection for Delta Force and was lucky enough to make it through and complete the operator training course. And I was assigned to a squadron from uh, 1999 until I retired in 2010. So that's that's kind of my military background. Um, prior to the service, I, I played music. I mean, from as far back as I can remember, music was always a big part of my life. And whether it was listening to music or playing music or trying to figure out how to play music uh, was always just a huge part of who I was and uh, tried, you know, tried to kind of make a go at it. And, you know, wasn't as successful as my bandmate, Jason Everman, who was in Nirvana and Soundgarden, but, you know, played music and had fun. And 1989, you know, kind of uh, end of 1989, uh, three things happened that kind of you know, made the military thing kind of exciting and enticing. Uh, I had never even really thought about joining the army, uh, but the Rangers jumped into Panama in December of 1989 and was over at a bandmate's house. And we were watching what little there was to show. We saw it on, on CNN when CNN was like first a thing. Yeah. And so I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. So that happened. A buddy of mine, uh, had joined the Air Force and had come back and was home on like vacation or leave. And he told me about these guys that came at the end of his basic training class and they were, were recruiting for a special unit that jumped in behind enemy lines and rescued down pilots. And I was like, ooh, that kind of, you know, sparked my, yeah. my senses a little bit. And then the, the band thing just kind of fell apart. Mm-hmm. So it was like a culmination of these three things. I was 21 years old and was like, what do I do now? Do I spend another two years trying to rebuild a band? Do I do something else? And I just, I felt lost and kind of unfulfilled with everything and went to the recruiter and said, Hey, I want to, you know, be in Delta Force. Nice. <laughs> That's that went over well. <laughs> well. I'm pretty sure back then it probably wasn't as laughable as you know, like nowadays, you know, kids going there, I want to be a SEAL. I want to be in Delta Force. I want to be all this. I'm, I'm pretty sure yeah, yeah. you get a lot of that, that just like, whoa, you know, and probably even a fewer percentage that actually make it through all of that pipeline training to, to make that happen. I, when I told that to the recruiter, I didn't even understand or know that Delta Force was like a real thing. Yeah, It was like, you know, I'm going to be something like that. You know, yeah. is there something like that? I want to do something like that. Mm-hmm. And Really, it was just kind of using using it as an example more than anything. And uh, it was like, well, you can't do that. You got to be something before that, like special forces. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. And he goes, well, you can't do that either. You got to do something like you could be a ranger. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. Because I can give you a contract for that today. And that's that's how it came to be. Nice. That's good. Yeah. That's super awesome. That that's that's a you know that's a cool transition um it's funny because i was just talking to my son when he was here visiting um i'm not trying to push him into do anything i kind of just giving him some little tidbits of things you know not forcing him to be like you need to join the military or you need to go to college because i know i you know i've i've done both of those things and 
you know, it, it, it takes a lot out of you or you got to have a lot in you to make, make those things happen. But I told him that I was kind of like going back and uh, reviewing things in my timeline and my history when I was growing up, military wasn't, I never even thought about joining the military. It didn't even cross my mind. Uh, I graduated uh, a private Christian school early, a year early and I was working at McDonald's and I was going to um, uh, a community college and I really wanted, I loved working on stuff. I loved working on my dirt bikes. I loved dirt bikes and motorcycles. I had no idea what I was doing. No one taught me anything um, with the exception of my stepdad. And so I was like, I want to tinker. I want to work on things. I want to build things. So I'm like mechanical engineer. Boom. That's what I want to do. And he goes, all right, well, with your test scores, you're probably going to need about four years worth of math just to get you to the prerequisites for the general uh, stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, that's probably not going to do Let me rethink that. So then I start thinking, I'm like, oh, now what do I do? I don't want to be at McDonald's. Like that made me start thinking, uh, thinking about, I don't want to work at McDonald's for the rest of my life. I don't want to do sheet metal stuff or, you know, uh, work in hot Arizona growing up during the summertime. So I'm just like, man, I got to figure out what to do. So I did. I, I went and joined the Coast Guard. I kind of did the same thing. It was like a all those events kind of like triggered me to start thinking, looking somewhere else. I'm like, man, I'm going to do this. And honestly, it was kind of a scary thing to do at the time because I had no idea. I just knew I needed to get away and I needed to make something happen and I need to try something on my own. And it was one of the best decisions in my life. Yeah. It's I'm a person, uh, people ask me about, uh, you know, reaching goals and how do you, you know, set something in motion and things like that. And to be honest, I'm a person that literally flies by the seat of my pants. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm not telling anybody that they should live this way because you really have to do what's functional and what works for you. Um, I feel like if I put something out there that I want to do this, or this is what I want to be, or this is where I want to be in five years, that I will unintentionally make decisions that start to steer me one way. Mm-hmm. And so when the, when the fork in the road happens, because I've got this thing in my mind, I'm going to start maybe my, not making the best decisions because I'm so fixated on that. Maybe I'm missing the bigger picture mm-hmm. and, you know, really that's, it's worked for me. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not telling anybody that's the way they should do it, but I feel like when life happens, because life is just nothing but one curveball after the other. And when something happens, I can just kind of react to the situation versus, well, that interferes with my plan or that interferes with, you know, where I thought I was going to be. So anyway, that's just the interesting sidebar. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's, um, uh, you know, that's a great perspective on it. And our, our expectations I've learned this myself. Our expectations can actually destroy stuff. Like we have this extra, like I've done that so much in my life, my, you know, even in my military career before I got out, I expected, you know, this, this, and this. I've never been there. So it's my little bit of knowledge that I know and have maybe heard of, of something. And I'm like, okay, I want to make this happen, but I don't, I don't have the proper step. I don't really know what I need to do to get there. I just want to get there. So when I get there, I'm so focused on getting there. I miss everything in between and I miss the journey in the process. And it's not what I expected. So it's like, 
that's gross. That's what is this? I don't, I don't want that. I've worked so hard for this and I don't even know what I'm doing with it. So I realized, you know, like what you're saying, it's a balance in kind of just rolling with it and surfing and being reflexive is kind of like what I like to call it. Um, it's, uh, it's kind of cool because you can not really set your expectations to certain things, but really be more where your feet are right now. And that's kind of something uh, uh, that I really learned to do as, as well as not be so focused in the future because in the special operations community, you have to have, you have to have a contingency for a contingency for a contingency. I mean, there's no going around it. You, you got to have plans and you got to plan, prioritize and execute and you got to move out and you got to do things. But then, you know, there are those things that happen that you can't really, you can't plan. You can't really expect all these things to happen, but the more you train and the more training you get on kind of just kind of rolling with, you know, the, the curve and the punches, you know, what you were saying, over, over a long period of time, you start doing that more and more, you gain more resilience in that. So you learn to not let your expectations just destroy everything. You're using your expectations from the stuff you that is factual and you know that it's there and you kind of let it help drive you. And yeah. um, that, that's, that's something that, you know, I want to instill in my son and the younger generation and other people to let them know that I did this for so long and it just, it created just such a mess in my life. And if I would have understood this and learned this a lot sooner, you know, I probably would have had a lot more joy in life, maybe even been a little bit smarter. Um, I don't know. There's no telling, but, you know. That's, uh, that's also wisdom, right? It's like you kind of, you can't, you can't get there until you get there. Exactly. That's yeah. what, I got all this gray hair, man. I got a lot <laughs> of different wisdom going on. <laughs> I think the other, the other thing that people ask me, and a lot of the younger kids will ask me on social media about um, a sense of accomplishment mm -hmm. and I, it's not really ever something that I felt. And, you know, I try and explain it and I, I'll use the NFL as an, an analogy only because people kind of understand the NFL. Yeah. But you don't go from playing peewee football, you know, in sixth grade to the NFL, there are steps along the way in every step you have to perform. So you can't get to junior high school football or Pop Warner football, whatever you want to call it, unless you're a performer at peewee football. And then you don't make the varsity team or start unless you're performing there. So you just never really have a sense of, oh, I made it. I'm here. You know, everything is, uh-oh, I went to low power mode, wow. um, you know, or, you know, if everything is good. And uh, so I, I just never really felt that. It doesn't mean that it took away from anything that I did. Mm -hmm. It just, it's just a sense of accomplishment. There's no real sense of accomplishment. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And it's, I think it, uh, that's a good perspective to have because that kind of keeps you humble in the same sense. You know, you're not always, oh, well, I made it. And I, I think you and I have both seen this both in the military and out you know, you get to that level and it's like, oh, I made it. And then they kind of, there's a stale, there's a, there's a stagnation and you're not moving. There's no growth. And then it just kind of, you just kind of like hang out right there. Like you're plateaued because you felt like you made yeah. it. And then, you know, if you, you know, stay with that mindset that you have, like, all right, you know, I'm here. 
what do I do? Like, like, what can I do? Like, what do I, what do I need to do? Keep moving. You got to keep going. You got to keep going. And you start yeah. doing more stuff and you learn more stuff and you do more stuff. And you're like, all right, well, since you did all that sucky stuff over there, you're pretty good at it. I'm going to put you over here because you're really good at that. So you go over here and you're going to train these guys how to do it. And then you just kind of keep going from one spot to the next, to the next, because you just keep performing. You just keep going. You can't quit. You don't, you don't stop. And yeah if you stay and stuck in that mode and like, Oh, I made it. That's kind of when, that's kind of when things shut down. And if if you're not growing, you're, you're dying. I, I guess, you know, I, I think of it like that. Yeah. I think, I think it, uh, you know, I try and use with the NFL analogy, it's, it's like the number of people that make it into the NFL pretty significant number. Yeah. Uh, most of them you've never heard of. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you're a guy like Kyle Lamb or a guy that's been around and, you know, his name is out there and you've been there for a significant amount of time, you start to realize that, like, those are the superstars of the NFL. You know, not every team is full of superstars. You know, most of the guys on the team, you don't know unless that's your team. But, you know, it's it's an accomplishment to stay there for a certain amount of time because every day you have to perform. And it doesn't matter that you reach the pinnacle, you still have to perform every day. You know, just like if you make it to the NFL, well, I made it, I'm good. I can chill now. You know, that doesn't happen. You have to perform. So, well, and, and I mean, it does happen though, because you see the difference of the quality of players and the mindset of the players, you know, you got, you know, same thing like the you know, NFL MMA stuff. I'm just kind of getting jujitsu. You know, I see all the stuff like that. I, I see guys and they, they stop or they plateau and they're like, oh, I'm just good. And then they got this great big, huge, giant, beastly white belt guy that's, you know, crushing them because they kind of, they kind of stopped and they made it to that next level. I need to keep going. You know, these guys are going to keep going. They, they, they want to, you know, progress. So it's, it's, you get the good quality and that's when you start seeing the superstars come out being the MVPs and, and all that stuff. Cause they go from, from step to step to step. And it's, uh, yeah. that's great advice to give to, to the young up and comers. And I, I think a lot of people really, they need that type of advice when they're, when they're going through things. Um, because I think watching stuff, everything is so such instant gratification on everything. They see all these guys, you know, the NFL stars, you know, the basketball stars, you know, the LeBron James, you know, all these people, they see them, and they're just watching them, but they don't understand how hard they work to get there. Oh, yeah. How long it took them to get there. They just put them on TV and it's boom, they're there. So you, you go outside and you start dribbling a basketball and you look like, you know, you're, you're playing water polo. There's something wrong. You know, you got to, you got to put in some work. Oh, yeah. No <laughs> man. Yeah, that's good. So um, you get out and you finish, you know, your military stuff. How, how is that on you? How, how is, are you, are you excited? Are you relieved? Um, you know, are, are you nervous? So how was that transition for you? Um, I think that I thought enough about uh, the transition kind of prior to that. It really wasn't a huge big deal for me. I, I didn't, you know, feel like that whole, I understood going into it, like, Hey, that thing that you sacrificed to be for 20 years is no longer who you are. Mm -hmm. It's a part of who you are, but it's not who you are today. And, you know, that, that's also something that I talk a lot about is, you know, personally, I would rather not talk about military stuff. Like that was, 
you know, 15 years ago, that was what I was doing then. That's not what I'm doing today. So it's a part of who I am and it's a part of, uh, makes me who I am today, but it's not who I am today. And it's not what defines me. Um, I, I feel like a lot of the guys that I've seen that have had a tougher time with the transition piece are guys that fully identified as the thing that they were in the service. And I also saw a lot of these same guys that were amazing commandos, but probably pretty big failures in every other aspect of their life. Mm -hmm. And that's not me putting them down. Uh, That's just me saying that I feel like I, I didn't ever like 100% identify as just an army commando. You know, that was, that was one part of who I am. I'm still a husband. I'm still a dad. I'm still a guitar player. I'm still, you know, all of these other things, creative, whatever, whatever you might, you know, say, but I, I just never fully identified as that. And maybe that didn't make me the world's greatest commando, but that's okay. Because when it was time to not be a commando anymore, I could move on and be other things. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I feel like I, I didn't really have a tough time with it. Um, I did, you know, get to the point, and that was kind of the impetus for the whole band thing. I did get to a point where, even though through some of the other stuff that I do, raise a lot of money to give to charitable organizations like Union Scholarship Fund and people that take care of special units and stuff like that, um, it wasn't enough. I wanted to do something more. And I didn't want to start a foundation and ask people for money. I didn't, I didn't want money to be a part of it. And so I thought of something. I, I thought it was pretty ingenious at the time. But, hey, if I can put a band together and sell music and stream music and whatever, people can buy it. And when they buy it, I'll take the proceeds of our music royalties and I'll give those to charitable organizations. Yeah. And so that's that's basically what we do. It's we're not trying to make money off of you buying our album, we're taking that money and we're giving it to charitable organizations that we believe in that do great things for first responders and veterans and the veteran community and special missions community, et cetera. So that's, that's awesome. That's, and that's, that's what I loved. And uh, when I started, you know, really seeing you and following you um, one, I've, even before the the military, when I joined the military, I was a huge um, just buff on uh, stuff. After watching stuff like uh, Rambo and all those crazy shows, you know Arnold Schwarzenegger and everything, like I loved it. It fascinated me, and I didn't. I never saw myself there, but I started getting more into the the real um, aspects of you know combat and you know Mogadishu and you uh just everything I, I i like that aspect i like the clandestine stuff i like the super sneaky stuff so i like started reading books and i started reading everything and man it was just it was fascinating to me and once i actually got to read a black hawk down uh before i even got to um the 160th it was i loved it it was fascinating it was super cool having different perspectives on you know that 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 event and uh, it was super cool. And then actually getting to the unit and having guys that were actually in in the conflict, training me for certain aspects of, you know, my, my training and selection and everything like that. Uh, it was super cool, super humbling. And even being a third battalion in Savannah, uh, all the other battalions, they would call Savannah Hollywood because they were the guys that went down there and filmed all that stuff. So 
everywhere we went, they, they called us Hollywood. For the longest time, I'm like, I'm not Hollywood. What are you talking about? So <laughs> I, I got a, I got a, I got a history lesson on that. I'm like, oh man, that's so cool. That's the history, man. I, I, I like that. Um, but then, you know, I started seeing, following you and seeing all the stuff that, you know, you got to do. And I seen your pictures of, you know, flying in the helicopter and everything. I'm like, man, that's cool. I like that. Um, and then I seen the music aspect. I'm like, man, that's cool because I like music. I don't understand how to play, uh, read music or play guitar, but I just like to, you know, mess around on it once in a while. And it's music's a big part of my life. It always has been. So it's just like, man, it, it hits. And then just being able to see how, and like you tie all that stuff together and then you help out the community this is, is super amazing and it's um it's great we need more of that we need more people to be able to take care of our own because um even in the the industry i seen for what i felt you know in an alpha a, a top tier alpha driven unit man they eat their own um you know if you're not performing you got to get out of the way and I think it's good and it's bad. It's pros and cons. I mean, you can't have a unit like that. That's, you know, not like that, but then at the same time, there probably could be, you know, better outlets for other people or for other organizations to kind of come in and kind of fill that gap of those people that, you know, can't be that alpha anymore or struggling with that alpha mentality. And um, for me being injured, I got medically retired and when I got out, that was like my identity because I had put so much into my military career that 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 transition for me was it was brutal. So I'm like, yeah. not only am I hurt my back and the very first visit that I go to and see, they're like, yeah, you're probably going to get medboard. People, crew chiefs with bad backs, they don't mix. And I'm like how about look at my back and diagnose me first and see what's going on before you start just like writing me off. And uh, that was a horrible process for me. And I just kind of got wrote off by all my guys. And I felt bad because I couldn't do my job anymore. And that's what I wanted to do. And I had so much more I wanted to do. Like I wanted to yeah. go to all these different levels and I felt like I didn't make that. And I kind of, I, I didn't kind of, I had a huge chip on my shoulder after I got out and I just let go and um, I didn't do anything anymore. I couldn't hardly walk, couldn't do much. I blew up. I was super just fat and gross. And um, I know a lot of, a lot of us do that. A lot of us struggle with that because we just, we can't do that anymore. So what's the point? And yeah. we, lose, we lose that focus coming out of the, out of that transition because we're not really mentally prepared to start that transition early. And it's kind of neat because I've talked to people that are getting ready to tire either medically or just do their full on, you know, full length. They're talking about all this stuff beforehand, before they get out, they're thinking about it, you know, they're making plans and they're prioritizing and they're executing to get out of there. But those guys that don't, those are the ones that struggle a lot that, that I've seen the guys that like get medically retired or, you know, they're injured and rightfully so. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a huge shakeup, you know, and you're taking your foundation out of them and they it's change. It's huge. Yeah, I, think I, I was fortunate, right. It didn't get taken away from me. Mm -hmm. I got to leave on my terms and there are a large number of people that don't get that. So I feel fortunate in that aspect. And that's maybe one of the reasons also too. And I never got significantly banged up, you know? Mm -hmm. So that that's not something that, you know, 
I look at it and go, oh, well, I'm better because I didn't have any sort of struggles. I, I know that I'm fortunate yeah. and got to do it on my terms. So there's a huge difference with that. True. However, don't downplay and don't shortplay because I know that you had your struggles and I know you dealt with a lot of stuff going through what you went through, doing the things sure. that you did, you know, and, and everything, especially that long of a career in the military, even just, you know, a portion of my military career, you know, 10 plus years, it's, 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 it's pretty rough. So anybody spending that length of time in the military and it's, I guess, in any like work setting, being even a non, non-military, you know, civilian staying in that one type of thing for that long, that's, that's dedication, that's time that that's, that's, I think that's, that's, earn some sort of respect in that regards because uh there 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 are struggles with that as well. It doesn't matter if you got injured or not or what rank you were, you know, just basic respect for that I think should be shown. Yeah. No, I I, I get it. I just I look at things and I go, man, I got all my arms and legs and all my fingers and toes and you know, minus some hearing and some knee damage and yeah. you know, things like that. I'm a pretty intact person. So I I feel lucky, you know. uh, Yeah, I did. I did the same thing with my back after I started uh, really kind of getting over feeling sorry for myself and wanting to change in my life and and do different things. I I noticed that, uh, well, I got both my arms. I got both my legs. uh, My back is still broken. It's still messed up. Maybe I need to figure out how to do some stuff differently. And then that's, that's when things change. I'm like, man, I know guys, I had to put guys on the ground. There's guys came back with, you know, lone limbs. They're, they're way, it could always be worse. Uh, I guess that's how I always see it. So I like, I need to stop complaining and I need to stop wasting my life. So that's when I really started getting off the pot and wanting to do something. And when I did that, I wanted to do that for them and honor all those that, you know, we've lost and buried and they got hurt and injured. And that gave me more purpose. That gave me more drive. And it just made me want to do that. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about, you know, wanting to give back and and help out and do things for these, you know, charities, these organizations and their families. Yeah, definitely. So it's, it's, uh, you know, you, you wake up and at some point you realize like, Hey, the thing that I do now isn't as fulfilling as the thing that I did then. And, you know, how do I make up a, you know, make up that difference and how do I feel more purpose in my life? And, you know, I tell everybody definitely one of the ways uh, you'll feel better about yourself is by doing things for other people. So, Mm -hmm. you know, by giving back to the community and knowing that, you know, I'm trying to help raise awareness for these great places that do great things for folks. You know, that's helping too. Even if it's not a monetary contribution, it's it's still helping. True. And networking. Networking's huge. And that's the cool thing I love about the social media stuff is, you know, linking up with people like you and other organizations um, like Hunter Seven, uh, that awesome artist, Matt Render, that does just amazing work, man. It's just so cool. Just like having all these cool different people and these organizations that do different things. And if someone needs something, I'm like, oh yeah, go here. Or someone has, you know, they yeah. something built. It's like, oh man, go here. I know this dude here. Um, I love that. That's, that's super cool. That's super that cool. Um, so you would say that, um, I guess one of the big things that I wanted to talk about, uh, one of them was the, you know, that switch and that pivot point. And I think you kind of pointed it out was, you know, that transition is after you transitioned out, like you kind of wanted, you felt like you wanted to give more, do more. And that was, 
um, kind of probably really that that point for you and that 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 pivotal point in your after your career when you got out? Yeah, it it took me a little while to kind of figure out exactly what that thing was. And, you know, my wife and I would go out and do like a date night thing every Friday night. We'd have a couple of cocktails and we'd go get a nice dinner someplace. Mm-hmm. And I I remember telling her, like, I feel like I'm a ship on the ocean and I'm just looking for the searchlight. Like, just tell me what to do. I'll do it. Uh-huh. I just, where can I help? How can I help? Who should I help? And, you know, every week it would be like, maybe you should run for office, you know, maybe you should do this. And it would be something different every week. Mm-hmm. And we did that for a couple of years, really, it was just trying to figure out like, okay, what, what is it that I should do? You know, what is it that I think I should do? And she came into uh, this room in the house one day and it's just filled with musical gear and everything else. And she was like, you know, it's a shame that you're not doing anything with this. I mean, you play every day, but you know, it's just a shame that you're not doing anything with it. And that was it. And the next day I was driving, you know, into Manhattan to meet a a bandmate of mine on now bandmate. And we were going to see uh, Mastodon and we're going to hang out and have a couple of drinks beforehand. I think he was roommates with one of the guys in Mastodon. So we had, you know, some backstage stuff and things like that. But anyway, um, all of a sudden the light bulb went off and I was like, man, uh, this is what I'm supposed to do. And it just, you know, clicked. So I approached him uh, before the show and just said, you know, look, man, I want to do this thing. I want to put together whatever it is. I don't even know what it is right now, but I want to put something together. I want to sell music and we'll take the proceeds of which, and we'll give it to charitable organizations that we believe in that do good things for veterans and first responders and other folks that need help with post-traumatic stress and things like that. And he was like, yeah, hell yeah, I'm down. So I started a, started a social media page and, and really the only reason I ever put, uh, you know, stuff about my past on the social media page was just to let people know, like, I'm a real dude. I'm not a poser. Like I did it at this level and, you know, here's kind of my validation of that. And, but it wasn't to like, Hey, look at all these pictures of me in cool gear way back in, you know, whatever the war, it was never, that was never the intent. Mm-hmm. And so I get a lot of people, I think that follow because of that reason, but a lot of people follow because of other reasons too. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I'm back on like super low power mode. So if it, if it, if it dies, we'll just like hit pause and then we can jump on. I'll put on the same t-shirt. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> maybe go to tomorrow afternoon. Or yeah, something like that, okay. whatever, but, all right. Um, we can just go until it it goes all right uh but anyway you know that was that was kind of the kind of the thing is i i put out you know hey here's who i am here's what i'm doing and man it just started to grow people uh hit me up the next guy that kind of contacted me was our bass player and he was a marsoc guy and had just gotten out and was like hey man i don't know what you got going on but i want to be a part of it I i was like do you play any instruments and he goes i play bass and uh, I was like, okay, well, maybe we can meet up and, you know, see where it goes. And it just kind of grew from there to the point that, uh, you know, multi-Grammy award-winning producer from L.A., who is a former Marine also, hit me up and said, you know, hey, I'll produce your album. So and you guys are ready to go and everything else. And it just, it just grew. And, cool, you know, it's still, it's still growing. And, yeah. you know. 
that's yeah, awesome. That's that's uh, that's cool, man. And that's I mean, that's that's really is what it's all about. I mean, you're kind of taking what you know is you don't really know what the outcome is going to be. You're just kind of doing it. You're doing kind of what you know, something that you enjoy, and you just kind of like start going going with it. And uh, it's it's you know, I'm an all in kind of person. You know, like it's it's not like well, you know, I kind of do. You know, it's it's all in and. Mm -hmm. I think that's the other thing too, is that people see through uh, stuff that's not necessarily, you know, totally altruistic or whatever it might be, but I'm all in. I mean, it costs us well over $35,000 to record the first album Yeah. from paying for our mixing, paying for mastering, flights out to LA, studio time, everything like none of that stuff is free. Mm -hmm. And you know, to, we're, we're not even saying, Hey, you know, give us money for that. We're just saying, buy the music, stream the music, whatever, mm -hmm. and you're helping a good cause. That's that's our contribution to the whole thing. 100%. That's cool, man. That, that's awesome. I mean, it's got to be cool, uh, a cool experience to be able to go do all of that stuff and kind of do something you enjoy doing with other with other guys, you know, with with other with other veterans, with other dudes that have kind of been doing that same thing. I mean, how how did that feel? It's, it's like we're, we're our own little team, you know, and, uh, it, it's very much the team dynamic and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the way we communicate with one another is very much that way. Uh, the way we go about writing and rehearsing and everything else. I mean, it's, it's like, get some, it's not, you know, let's sit around and be creative for three weeks in the studio and pay, you know, $2,200 a day for studio time. It's, Hey, it's go time. We got to perform. We got to do this, you know, only have a certain amount of time. And, you know, they're long days when we're together. It's never, you know, yeah. if, any, if anything, the guys are like, Hey, uh, can next time we get together, can we have like a little more fun and, you know, maybe tone it down a little bit because, you know, we're trying to accomplish a lot when we're together and, yeah. you know, it is what it is. So, um, I think if anything, we're <laughs> COVID kind of helped with that, you know, it kind of gave us a little bit of a break so that we could, you know, take a little more time together and do a little more rehearsing and get stuff, you know, dialed in a little bit more than what it was the first go around. That's cool, man. But you guys do, you got that, uh, that purpose and direction. And I think that's huge for people, you know, from the military law enforcement community, you know, the guys that are like more hard charger kind of type of people it's purpose and direction is huge. You, you gotta, you gotta have that. Otherwise you're kind of, doing what you're doing. You're kind of just sitting there sailing around on the boat, looking for that thing. You know, you're yeah. going to do something. You want to make it happen. You got to have that purpose and direction. And then, you know, you might have a direction. You don't really have a purpose. So you're just kind of like, you're going, you're moving and then a target engaged. And then you just go for it. That's, yeah. uh, that's cool. I'm experiencing that uh, certain things in, in, in my life, even with a, you know, noble warrior doing stuff with, with this, um, I wanted to create something to give value to people and to help people out. Um, I was kind of thinking about maybe, you know, creating gear and swag and selling and donating to charities and organizations locally and veteran organizations. But I was just like, you know, I don't, I don't want to do that. I, I don't, I don't know if uh, it's the right thing to do or it's not right thing to do, but I just, I just kind of wanted to get a community, just build a community with people just to be open and vulnerable and share things and share experiences and, sure you know, 
work on people's mindsets and show them how to think differently because I was closed-minded, angry, grumpy, bitter, you know, dude for the longest time. And, you know, now uh, I'm, I'm working on my stuff. I constantly want to grow. I'll go up and, you know, I'm a hugger. It's probably weird, but I'll go up and shake your hand and give you a big hug and say, what's up, man. Um, You know, and it's, it's, I never used to be like that. I'd be like, stay away from me. No eye contact, no nothing, you know, just off in my own corner, like a caveman. I think. Yeah, yeah. You got to do what you got to do, man. Like you said, it's got to keep moving and keep growing and keep learning. Somebody asked me that the other day and they were like, uh, you know, what, what do you feel like is something that you wish you had learned or, and I'm like, I learn stuff every day, whether it's about myself or whether it's about life or whatever it might be. Like, I, I don't, I don't ever want to be like the best days were behind me, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. At the same time, I'm not like the best day is tomorrow. I'm just enjoying right now doing the best that I can do right now today. Yep. Um, you know, the kids, the kids ask me all the time about not my kids, but kids on the Instagram and stuff like that. And they'll ask about, you know, what advice would you give me? I'm going to go do this, or I've got an option 40 Ranger contract. And what advice would you give me? And it's really simple. You said it already, but it's just don't quit. Yeah. Like that's all you have to do. Don't quit. Mm-hmm. You know, if you keep putting one foot in front of the other, you will get through it and you just have to mentally be there, you know, but, but really that's all you have to do is don't yeah. quit. Yeah. You don't have to be the fastest. You don't have to be the strongest. You just have to be there. And I keep telling people that I've had to relearn how to run multiple times just to be able to like run the slow snail pace that I run right now. But, uh, and I keep telling people like, I'll get there. I won't be first, but I can promise you that I'll get there. So yeah. that's kind of, people ask me, you know, what, I'm, how do I get to 160th? What do I need to do? Is there a selection? You know, what, what do I need to do? You know, like I'm, I'm going to Grimpletoon, you know, this, that, and it's, it's, it's similar. You're like, you know, what do I need to do? Well, well, you know, start, start getting physically fit for one, you know, don't let that have to be your obstacle. You don't want to be trying to get fit while you're going through there because that makes things worse. But it ha- it's people do it, um, you know, and, uh, you know, just don't quit. Just just go try to have as much fun as you possibly can learn. And it's an experience. You're, they're not there to kill you. They're there to train you and grow you. So learn as much as you can go through the pipeline, get as many schools, get as much training as you possibly can. Keep growing, keep having fun. Yeah, they're not they're not looking for a guy that's like already an operational dude. Yeah. With Delta selection as an example, it's we want to make sure we got a guy that's trainable, mm-hmm. you know, and if he's trainable, we can get him to do what we need him to do. That'll yeah. happen. Yeah. But if he's not trainable, that's, you know, that's kind of the criteria. It's not, it's not that this guy has to be the best at everything and be the first on the PT test and everything else. It's, yeah. is he trainable and can he be molded and can he, do the things that we need him to do and be honest about it and everything else, you know? Yeah. Uh, even through green platoon, man, we had just beastly studs and they, they couldn't swim. I mean, they're, they jump in the water and they just sink, you know, you got to be able to swim, you know, you, you got to be able to run a little bit. You got to be able to do a couple pull-ups, you know, if you can do a couple of them and not be pissed off and complain about it and just, just suck it up and, you know, pick your puke up and put it back in your pocket to do whatever kind of crazy thing it is they tell you to do. And you just keep doing it. You just, that's it. That's all you got to do, man. Just, just yeah. be your feet all right now and just try to get through it. 
And that's the biggest thing. And it's, I think that goes for life right now, just even being out. It, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Having that yeah I, I feel the same way. Just like do the best you can do right now today. You know, um, I didn't, even though my goal ultimately was to end up at Delta, it wasn't something that when I got to the Rangers, I was like, oh, hey, squad leader. Hey, team leader. I want to be in Delta. I don't really want to be here. So can you just hurry me along? You know, you have to perform there. And that's what I mean about the NFL example of you've got to perform at every level to get to the next level. And so my goal in the Rangers was to be the best Ranger that I could be to know that day, not, oh, I'm leaving here in a couple of weeks or I'm going to selection in a month or whatever it might be. Yeah. And uh, when I got to the next step, it was the next, you know, it was the next thing and then the next thing and the next thing. So just keep going, trudging along. That's awesome. Um, my next big thing is, um, you know, for me, faith was a huge aspect. I mean, I kind of grew up with a minimal understanding of what my faith was and where I stood with it. My beliefs and my values weren't really truly built up until I hit the dirt. Uh, I struggled a lot. And um, so my faith really helped me out um, when I really, I guess, needed it. You know, there was a point where I I did want to quit. I didn't quit, but I didn't want to I didn't want to exist anymore because I didn't know what to do. I tried to do everything on my own. And um, I just, I knew there was something greater out there, but I didn't know what it was. And what For me, my, my faith was um, giving my life to Christ and understanding more about God and how he works in my life. And I know that there's other people that, you know, have a different beliefs and different values. And that's, that's amazing. And I love that. And I want to see, uh, and experience, you know, what other people believe in. And you know, if they had any type of faith, and if you do have faith, how has that helped you through maybe your struggles or the toughest times in your life? You know, is it a lucky rabbit's foot? Um, you know, is it, you know, is it God? Is it, uh, you know, what, what is it? Do you have, a, do you have a faith? And, you know, is that something that's helped you out in your life? Um, yeah, so I definitely have a faith. Um, I'm, I'm not a churchy guy mm-hmm. and I'm not, I'm not a Bible-y guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like there's a bigger force, larger, greater force, whatever that might be. Um, a spiritual connectivity that, you know, looks after people that can, you know, I don't even know what it is. Um, I would say that I feel it so profoundly that I don't feel the need to even really uh, talk about it. I don't feel the need to pray and say, help me in this hard time. I, I've always felt like I've got this guardian angel on my back and he's just riding around with me, you know, making sure I'm doing the right thing and going the right way. And I, I don't know what that is. Uh-huh. Um, I don't really try to figure it out i just kind of enjoy that he's there <laughs> you know he's yeah. whatever it might be yeah uh, i i know that things are connected you know i feel that i i'm a very uh big believer in karma mm-hmm. you know and that i just treat things well like i do a lot of swimming in the ocean and playing in the ocean and things like that and i want to be cool with the sharks so i treat animals well like it just it's basic decency um without being political like i love the earth i love you know trees mountains rivers 
forest, ocean. It's beautiful. You name it, man. Yeah. And I, I treat it that way. Like I don't litter. I don't, you know, uh, you know, I try, I try and be helpful where I can be helpful. I'm not a weirdo, like super, you know, don't do this and can't, you know, I, I don't know. That's just me. And I, I feel like, I don't know. That's just kind of where I am. I can't say that it ever, you know, like I was in a tough spot in the military and, and I leaned on that for anything. I think I always kind of felt like, Hey, if it's my time, it's my time. And after seeing a lot of, you know, combat casualties and other things, you know, guys killed in training. And I, I say this all the time. Like I know far more people that died in training than died in combat. Yeah. Like not even, not even close, you know? Um, and it may be different when there's like a significant, you know, helo accident or something like that. But you start to realize very quickly that like, I, I never looked at it like, well, that could have been me. Mm-hmm. It was, that wasn't supposed to be me. Like, it's just not my time. I, I could have been on that helicopter. I was on this helicopter. That happened, you know, to those guys. And I was supposed to be on that helicopter, but that's the way it works, man. And it just wasn't my time, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't do a whole lot of digging into it. And maybe if I was, have more time, <laughs> you know, I don't know what it is, but that's a big excuse. Uh, no, I mean, maybe I'll look into a little bit more, but. No, and that's and that's cool. Um, I like that. I like that you're just aware of that, and you have that aspect to, um, you know, something more. Even if you didn't, that's fine too, because that's who you are. 